Hello and welcome to Real Life with Pamela Lau. I'm so glad that you're part of this podcast community. It's a great joy to share the parable with you and to introduce you to my special guests. Well, today I'm going to read to you two more chapters from the parable, and then in the upcoming episodes, we're going to jump in and dive into the second part of this whole project, which is unpacking very briefly uh, the three choices and what that looks like. So I'm excited to share that with you and would love to get your feedback with that. So please stay tuned. Be sure too to share this podcast with people you know are interested in talking about um, how the spiritual life works and faith. And today's guest is Melanie Dobson. And Melanie is an award-winning author. And you're going to hear how we know one another and how our paths crossed uh, by God's grace. And today we talk about the creative side of life and how easily doubt and destruction and those voices that are from the parable can rip from us our time and our desire to create. So whatever it is you're trying to create today or this week, I'm praying and hoping that this conversation will keep you inspired uh, to keep on keeping on with what you are bringing together to make the world a better place. So here we go. Welcome to Real Life with Pamela Lau. Chapter 22. A week had passed before Diane and David could meet in person. A few days after Diane heard from David, she had received an unexpected call from Amy. At first, she seemed upset as if someone had put her up to calling until she explained. Diane, I wanted you to know that my decision to not meet together with you and David again is nothing against you. I just need time to get my life together. Can you unpack that for me a little more, Amy? Diane asked gingerly. I'm guessing, Diane, that the way you see me is as someone who doesn't know anything about the Bible or that I'm a woman who isn't spiritual. But the truth is, I've done fairly well with my life with what I do know. After a moment, Diane said, Are you saying from what you've read in the Bible you're doing well and you're basically a good person? Amy laughed a little. Well, what I'm saying is I know I messed up by hiding the financial pieces from David, but I'm going to work things out. I always do. Okay, Diane said. I appreciate your honesty, and I won't expect you to come with David for our meeting at the end of this week, but please know that you can come anytime. Diane knew Amy wasn't opening herself to God, willing to give him permission or even close to recognizing the voice of destruction that was holding her captive. As they hung up, Diane felt, however, a profound sense of relief. And Amy wasn't the reason for her relief. She was relieved because now she knew that David was on his path to the truest freedom of his life. Chapter 23 Less than 48 hours later, David and Diane were sitting in her office looking out the window to a gorgeous day. Everything had changed in David's heart since the first time he met with Diane. He lived with an enormous sense of peace, like somebody stood by him in the daily of life. And every single day he felt like an overcomer. 
Someone had handed him the keys to staying above what used to make him feel like such a failure. If only he could stop feeling so burdened by his wife's choices and the way she saw the spiritual world, he could have even more faith, or so he thought. David, you and I know that Amy isn't going to get her life in order just so she can start listening to God. And at some level, you're still not free from trying to make her, are you? What mystified David the most was how Diane could talk to him without his defenses going up or feeling like he disappointed her, which is why he felt an invitation to open up more to her. What I cannot seem to rationalize is why would God want me to know him more and not want the same for the person who's closest to me and who I love the most? Something's got to give. Diane thought carefully before she responded. Remember how we said that God is the one who initiates our faith? David was quiet, nodding his head. Authentic faith is living without scheming on the inside. David, you cannot will Amy's faith to happen. Diane continued. In the third decision, distinguishing between the voices, you are making incredible progress discerning between God's loving voice and the voice that keeps calling you a failure. Something that has helped me in my own journey is to remind myself that it was Jesus' job to destroy the works of the enemy. He already successfully crushed that goal. Now my job is to stay close to him by listening. For the handful of times David practiced this kind of listening, he realized how often his discerning of voices destroyed the enemy's temptation in his inner life. If I were to be completely honest with you, Diane, I want Amy to know how these decisions have pulled me out of darkness, a darkness I sat in for way too many years. But she's not in a place to hear that from you right now, is she? Is there another emotion you are feeling toward Amy that is rising up in you? Welling up inside was a longing for the way things used to be with his wife. Yes. David whispered, looking to the side. Yes, I'm just so sad and broken how our relationship has become what it is. Then David, just tell her those exact words. Tell her how you feel. Just start there. Well, welcome to Real Life with Pamela Lau. Today, I have a very special guest, and I know I say that every week, but uh, it really is true. It really is true. So um, welcome with me, Melanie Dobson. Melanie, it, first of all, it's just great to see you. You too. What a delight. Um, and I just think it would be so good for our listeners to kind of walk back in history a little bit with us. Uh, all right. Because our history started before we met each other. <laughs> a long way too long ago. We can't be that old, Pam. It's not possible. No, I'm not believing it. So, <laughs> but um, do you remember the day we actually met? I do remember it at the coffee shop, right? In Sherman. Yeah. And we were both sitting in this coffee shop in Sherwood, Oregon, uh -huh. 
writing and we both got up at the same time is that what happened i i don't remember all the details i was so shocked by our call you know when we figured out all of our common threads <laughs> yeah so you figured that was i and i actually don't not good with dates but we both were at the same university in the late 80s mm -hmm. and we meet for the first time was it 2010 2011 it was probably yeah it was probably 10 or so years ago and we are uh, we went to college together on the east coast <laughs> yeah. and we met on the far west coast in a tiny little coffee in a shop. tiny little coffee shop <laughs> well and then in that conversation we find out that now you have to remember how we i'm married to brad lau mm -hmm. and his sister tracy was your ra right is that right yeah. that's right yeah tracy was my ra and all once we figured it out we had similar friends and a similar major and all of that it was just it was just such a god thing it, that we it finally was. got to it meet was. all those years later yeah so i'm so thankful and then you know we we got to do a few things together back then and mm -hmm. talked about writing and and actually i think it was through laura barker that i had heard your name before because laura yeah. is the editor over at um penguin and she and you know she was at college with me did you know her from college yes yes oh, we were okay. friends in college yeah okay all right we anyway. were on yearbook staff i think together oh my goodness maybe you did newspaper stuff yeah, yeah. journalism related i was sure. on the newspaper i don't remember you being <laughs> on there but anyway anyway all of that to say i'm just so thankful to god that he crossed our paths and here you are um having a conversation with me yes. on the on the podcast so thank you for that Thank you. Um, but why don't you just, if you don't mind, just take a few minutes before I um, talk about your incredible writing that you get to mm -hmm. do. Um, uh, Melanie is uh, an author um, many times over, but we'll mm -hmm. get to that in just a minute. <laughs> I just thought it would be great if you could share with our listeners just your background and your faith background, how you became a Christian who influenced all that in you. Yeah. You know, that'd be great to hear. Absolutely. Yeah. I think my entire life has kind of been centered around story. <laughs> so yeah. I love that we're going to be talking about books and stories because I think from the very beginning, I mean, just hearing the stories when I was a little girl of the from the Bible, the different parables, all of the stories um, influenced me as a child. Now, my parents didn't become Christians. I wasn't raised um, in a Christian home um, until I was in about halfway through through elementary school. So they became Christians when I was younger wow. and just so enthusiastic about their faith. Mm -hmm. And um, God just started working on my little heart. <laughs> and so <laughs> I decided at a pretty young age that I wanted to become a Christian and a follower of Christ. Now, that was just the beginning of a really long journey, mm -hmm. as you know, ups and downs, learning about faith, learning about um, what I believed, you know, what God, um, God was showing me as a Christian and a follower of Christ. I remember really um, distinctly um, in my early 20s, and this was after years of, of writing and learning and just seeking after God, um, being on a um, the shore of the James River in Virginia. And mm -hmm. I was there with a the college group, and we were there just sort of seeking after God as a community. Mm -hmm. So I was outside on this river doing my devotions and reading it in the first book of James. Um, 
just thinking and praying, you know, God, what do you want me to do with my life? I'm so, I was so scattered at that time. Like, what am mm -hmm. I supposed to do? And, and so um, he just spoke to my heart um, through the first book of James, mm -hmm. um, spoke to my faith. You know, it talks about not being scattered, mm -hmm. like putting your faith in him yeah. and not being this shifting ship and the winds are blowing you around and you just don't know, you know, which direction you're going, but to put your full, complete trust in him. Mm -hmm. And I think that after a long journey, journey of, as a younger person, as a Christian, that to me was the point that I said, all right, Lord, I just, I have to completely trust. Mm. I put my complete faith in you for my future. Cause that's the big question when you're 21, exactly. 22, right? Like, what where am I going to do with my yeah. life? And where am I going? And I didn't know. Oh, and, and from that moment forward, he has just so clearly directed my path. And even on those days when it's like, I don't know which direction to go, stopping, waiting, listening, and the door eventually opened. I mean, it's just been beautiful and high. I mean, the hindsight is such a fun thing at our age to be able to look back and see, see how God opened those doors at the right timing. And maybe it wasn't the door I was expecting or hoping for at the time, right. but he opened the right door um, for what I needed um, on my journey with him. So it's been a beautiful thing um, just, just to follow Christ all these years. Wow. That's really inspiring. And so tell us about who, who do you live with today? My crew, the Dobson crew. <laughs> well, I have my husband is John. We actually just settled, celebrated our 23rd wedding anniversary wow. this past weekend, which okay. was super special for Congratulations. us. Congratulations. Thank you. He is the director of technology at the Bible Project. And so oh he's been goodness. there for four years. Yep. Uh, he loves it. He um, started back when they were just, they just had their first videos coming out and he was so passionate about what they were doing. He'd been working in the movie industry for a long time in computer animation and, and just love what they were doing. And they were really small at the time. And they said, well, we think we might need somebody to help with technology. <laughs> and so he was just, he just went in to kind of start helping just a little bit at a time. And then of course it has just exploded, especially in this past year. Um, with everybody being at home I and bet. doing the church at home and yeah, all of that. And so they, and, and the growth has just been phenomenal. So, so he, he's not just a temporary employee, <laughs> he's, he's full time and he has a whole lot of people working with him um, to create and to distribute these videos around the world. I mean, they're translating these around the world. It's so cool to see. So that's my husband. And Melanie, and, I just have to tell you yeah. real quick that I love the Bible Project. In oh. fact, I'm working on a devotional on Habakkuk. Oh, and, yeah. and I was really struggling with it. And I went to the Bible Project to, do, to read how they, you know, listen to their video. Mm -hmm. And I was just awestruck by how they compacted it in there. So I love it. Anyway, yes. And again, yeah, just the beauty of story. I mean, we just the going back to story. that. Absolutely. It's like, it's the Bible, the story that we, they have viewers that are five that are sending in oh. their weekly allowance to support the Bible project. Oh. And then they have people um, in seminary that are watching that, you know, they have nuns that, that emailed them from, from all over Crazy. the world that, that watch these videos and God's, yeah. So it's just been super cool. Okay. Um, so that's yeah. my guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I have two girls. We've adopted two girls. Um, Carlin is my oldest. And would you believe she's almost 18? I know my girls just asked me about that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She just graduated from high school. Wow. And, um, and Kiki is my youngest and she's almost 17. Wow. So she's still doing school at home. Um, and then we just got a cat. So that's our new, <laughs> our new okay. latest family member. She's a sweet little kitty. So oh, it's, that's great. It's the five of us now. There's five of you now okay awesome. <laughs> that's that is just fantastic thank you so much so you are 
a Christian author, and that really is the title you would go by, correct? I mean, you have, have you ever written outside of the Christian genre? I have. I have written some nonfiction outside the Christian genre. Um, I, I hesitate to use Christian as an adjective. And so I like saying I'm an author and a Christian, you know, kind yeah. of both of those. I okay. write faith, faith-based fiction, okay. inspirational fiction, um, just to conspire and encourage people wherever they are in their journey with the Lord. So that's that's sort of my heart uh, behind my writing. Um, but yes, definitely a Christian and an author. And an author. Okay. I like yeah. that. I like that distinction. So your journey of becoming an author, you didn't start there, even though you talk about this desire for story, but you started uh, your, what I call ministry or career. I don't really, the word, you know, to both. me it's both, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You're serving, you're serving the gospel through words. Mm-hmm. Where did you start and how did you get to the point where you're writing full time? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I have always loved to write. Like I said, I always love to read. I've always been inspired by story. And, and I started writing at a really young age, started keeping a journal uh, when I was little. I wrote my first autobiography when I was nine years old. <laughs> it was very short. <laughs> Your autobiography. <laughs> my autobiography. Yep. Yeah, I still have it. Um, oh, very short story. autobiography. Um, but I've always, you know, I've just always been passionate about story. But I um I started to write fiction when I was pretty young. Um and then I just got it. It was it was really challenging, as you know, as we know that as an adult as well. But I would get all inspired to write a book, and then I would, I might even know what the ending was supposed to be like. And then um, I get to the middle, and I would just I would just throw it away because middles are hard. (laughs) They're hard today still for me. Um, And I would just give up. And so it was a long season of um, learning how to write. And I did a lot of nonfiction in my 20s. I worked in newspapers. I did public relations. I did a lot of that. Um, Learning the skill of writing, learning how to do deadlines, learning to complete my work, (laughs) doing the middles, right? Um, And then right around, around, um, I think it was like 29 years old, before my 30th birthday, God really inspired uh, me and said, you know, if you're going to write fiction for me, this is the time to do it. You need to sit down and you need to write a story. And John was really encouraging my husband at the time because I was doing so many different types of writing. Um, He said, if this is your passion, if this is your calling, your ministry, like you said, um, you need to put everything else aside and and write fiction. Mm-hmm. And so um, I did. I started writing and I finished a novel. I was so excited about it. It was a historical novel in the Were early you 2000s. working full time when you did this? I, I, when I first started writing, I was still working full time pre-motherhood. Wow. Um, you know, so I was working and then writing a little bit each day. Um, and I sent it out to a bunch of publishers and it was just, it was rejection after rejection after rejection. For how many which, years? Uh, seven, you know, it was seven years for me. Uh, process. With the one novel. Well, no, I had, I had to put that one aside. I wrote that one for about four years, okay. read, wrote, edit, wrote, edit. Um, and nobody was buying historical fiction at the mm-hmm. time. And that's what it was. And so I actually, it was my fourth novel that I wrote okay. for um, that was finally published. So that was 2005, I believe my first one came out. And, um, and it's just the name been, of that novel that was called Together for Good. Okay. And it was inspired by Carly's adoption. And yeah, it was such, it was like all the other novels were mysteries and historical and, you know, things I loved, but 
the, my first published novel was just a novel of my heart. I mean, it was just, it was one of those stories that you just, it was, it was just pouring out yeah. and it, my heart was behind it. And so I'm just, I'm just thrilled that God used, you know, even though, like I said, it, my journey, I wanted this novel to be published in this novel, but he needed me to practice a whole bunch and he needed that first novel to be out. Now, that being said, it's so funny. I look back, um, those years, all these years later. And I think it was my second or third novel that I wrote that wasn't published back then. I have all the rejection letters for it. Um, a publisher picked that up about two years ago. Oh, really? And it's been revised. So I have a rejection letter from the publisher 20 years ago. And then I have the published <laughs> book by the same publisher all these years later. So it was just really fun just to see. It just, it wasn't time yet for that story. And, and now it's out. So, okay, talk a little bit about for those people who are listening who want to write. What yeah. what keeps you going in the dark when there's all that rejection? There's got to there's ups and downs, right? Mm -hmm. But what talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think um, to be a writer, I think you have to be passionate about it, and you know that. Oh, I mean, yeah. you have to be driven to write. Mm -hmm. And if you're not passionate about it, if it's just something like, oh, it's just something I want to do, right? Um, unless you have a really clear message and calling to do it, even though you're not passionate about it, I would say don't, don't write just because you think it's, think it's cool or neat or something like that. Write because you have something important that you want to communicate, mm -hmm. write because it's a calling and write because you would write whether or not you're published. I mean, I, I exactly. wrote for years. It, unpublished right. and not every um, writing yeah. is published oh absolutely that tons i mean the writing right. that goes into published material is I probably <laughs> two or three times what you actually publish yeah. right That's yeah right. and so I, I say if you're passionate about it keep writing keep learning keep reading keep editing and keep pursuing it if this is what god's called you to do so in your in your journey of all of this when there was a moment did you ever doubt Oh, I doubt it a lot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so tell me, so tell me, what did that sound like in your head? Yeah. And it wasn't even in my head. It was things people oh. said, you know, I mean, <laughs> like, what you know, oh, I had one editor, Pamela, it, one yeah. editor said, what did she say? Oh, she said, she sent me back out your rejection yeah. um, and said, not even a doctor could revive this writing. <laughs> oh, oh, that was painful. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Like, like that set me back a couple of days. That wasn't even just that. That wasn't a voice in my head. That was like a real, real editor. But it sounds um, like listening to you, it's not just even having the passion, but it's the fortitude and the, the grit is. to you be able to. to believe, like, I do have something to say. I do need Absolutely. to write. Yeah, so. it's it's got to, it, yeah, it's got to be a calling, and you have to know that this is what I'm supposed to do. That's great. And you keep you keep right. And you know, some of my stuff. I wrote a book, a very short story for a friend who lost their child. Gosh, probably 15 years ago. Mm. They they may be the only they the only people that ever read that book, but that was meant for. I mean, I really felt like it was meant for them, and that's yeah. what they said as well. So you know, nobody else may read that story, and that is okay. That that's that's what God called me to do was to write it for them. So. Um, so one assignment not, at a time. Alan, I love that. Yeah. One assignment at a time, one reader mm -hmm. at a time. Mm -hmm. You, 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 I always say you be faithful in what God's called you to do. And then, you know, he'll do with what he, you know, he'll use it to his glory in whatever way that I he agree needs with that. I've fit. seen that myself yeah. for sure. So what has surprised you the most about being um, a writer, publishing books and getting, just doing this in your, cause you do it from your home, right? 
I, well, I do now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but before COVID, like, you know, we met in a coffee shop. I know. I, I was at coffee shops all the time. I would prefer to write at coffee shops. Mm -hmm. I get so distracted by yeah, laundry and dishes yeah. and, you know, life. Um, so, but yes, I am now, and not only am I learning how to write in my home, I'm learning how to write in a little space in my bedroom because my husband has to work at home oh and he's on goodness. zoom 24, you know, he's on zoom all day. So he's taken, wow. this is my office. He's taken over. And then, you know, my girls are schooling at home. And so, you know, you, you, you do what you have to do and we've, we've figured it out, but, but I do take writing retreats. I'll go away to a hotel yeah. for a couple of days, usually maybe every other month and just, I mean, just be in my store. Okay. you know, completely focused on that. Um, what has surprised me most about yeah. being a writer yeah. is probably the fact that I have to write, <laughs> which, which sounds really funny. Um, but you mean, in other words, like it's work? It's work. <laughs> I know. It's such a bummer, right? It's like, I just want to dream and come up right. with ideas. Right, right. Like, I'm like the idea person. So this would be a cool story. That would be cool. But you have to sit in the seat and you have to actually like put words on paper and it's not always fun like some days it's hard right some days it's such a challenge um but i love it i love what i do and i've learned tricks you know i've learned things to to do to to get myself back into my story and back into my to my writing because writing is fun but it's hard work it is absolutely and i think that's when people say oh how are you inspired well sometimes it's not inspiration that gets it done right <laughs> exactly. it's deadlines <laughs> so, deadlines inspire me. deadlines inspire yes <laughs> that's the truth i love my timer i have a timer set uh, and yeah. that's what inspires me i'm like i have 15 minutes left i've got to get this one done. i love it so let's talk about some of your books for just a moment i by the way i did just recently download uh the curator's daughter mm -hmm. so i'm going to take that on a trip with me yay um but how how do your characters relate to your own life you kind of talked about that in the beginning um is it do you use events from your own life to create mm -hmm. these books yeah you know my characters typically, they are encountering things that I am encountering. And what I mean is like when I am wrestling through, um, for example, one of my novels, Catching the Wind, is all about faithfulness, mm -hmm. about somebody being faithful to somebody they love through thick and thin, good and bad. Um, and so, you know, in my own life, as I wrestle through that, like, how do you love somebody that's really hard to love? How do you be faithful to the end? You know, that sort of thing. Um, wrestling through that in real life, my characters wrestle through that and we kind of wrestle through it together, which sounds really weird, but you know, no, my, my writers it. probably get it. Um, you know, like why do bad, why, you know, why do bad things happen in this world? We have a loving God. Why do bad things continue to happen? I write a lot of world war II fiction. I write about people who do super heroic things, everyday people during world war II, lots of bad things happen during world war II. And so, you know, just wrestling through that with my characters. And so, um, so the personal it's, you know, I don't write people that I know, <laughs> you know, like people ask, you know, a lot of times are your characters, people that, you know, and that's not typically the case, but are the themes are the struggles or the challenges that my characters are facing things that I have, you know, I have struggled with challenges that I have encountered. I have not lived through the Holocaust. I won't even, you know, but have I had personal challenges, had to make choices um, that are difficult? Absolutely. And that's what in my books, my characters also encounter. Let me ask you the question that every one of my students or attendees or whatever friends 
ask all the time when we talk about suffering. Okay. Yeah. You, because you're, you immerse yourself in it. If you're immersing yourself mm -hmm. in the Holocaust, you can't, you can't reason it away. You can't even say something like, well, God turned it for something good. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't go there. Yeah. But what, what I want to know is when we're, when you see someone who is really going through something that just doesn't seem to make any sense. Mm -hmm. What have you learned about the character of God in this? This mm -hmm. is kind of a, I mean, just off the top of your head, what have you seen? Yeah. You're, well, you're facing tough, this. Just an easy question there. I know. <laughs> well, yeah, no, it's a great question. And I, you know, my whole hidden among the stars, I mean, the whole book just kind of, it, it, it talks about all the different perspectives because there's, you know, is God in control of everything in this world? There's an enemy, there's attack, you know, there's stuff going on in this world that, that a loving God doesn't endorse for sure. Like, how does that help take yes. place in the spiritual yeah. realm? I can't, I, I can't answer that. I could just wrestle through, you know, I could just good. wrestle through that. Um, but I can say in my own life and the lives of some of the people that I've interviewed, mm -hmm. um, you know, you take Corey Ten Boom or people like that, even in the Holocaust who, um, you know, you take one story at a time from people who are following Christ and say, how did God use this for good? I mean, how did, um, how did, how did God use this situation? Um, yeah. yeah. Not yeah. didn't make their life you know, they, she was in a concentration camp for right. heaven's sake. I mean, she right. was lived through horrific, horrific right. things. You can't discount that and pat her on the back and say, no. you know, it's all going to be, it's all okay. Right. No, it was terrible. Yeah. Um, but did God use it for good? Absolutely. For the greater good, you know, the he didn't make, make her life um, easy in that concentration camp, but did, you know, if we have a hope in heaven, if we have a hope in eternity, um, then this life is not all there is, right? And so we can look at the suffering in this life and still have that eternal hope of glory and beauty and healing um, and just amazing, glorious things to come. And that's in all of my stories, I cling to that. Um, when people are suffering, um, cling to that eternal hope that we have in Christ. Well, and that leads me really to this next question is where do you seek ways to strengthen your faith when mm. you're faith? Because is it, I'll let you answer that. Where no, I, it? yeah, that's a great, I, great question. Um, well, there's a couple of different things. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <Me> um, <laughs> friends, you yeah. know, praying yeah. friends yeah. are super important. I have like, we call them sisters. We have a group, like just a small group of just praying friends that, mm. oh, life is hard right now, <laughs> you mm. know, um, and just praying together. That's one of the praying myself, but also praying yes. in community. Mm -hmm. um, a couple of years ago, I started a thankfulness journal. Mm. Uh, that has changed my life because but you always journaled I always journaled this journal just lists out though I'm, today I'm thankful these are the three things I'm thankful for okay. what in my life how can I actively search for things and remember and record things that I am thankful for mm. the blessing you know and we've so I started doing that in my life and now we do we do um, a short family devotion time every night before bed and so now as a family we call them God glimpses okay. where did you see God working in your life today and so it's been really cool as a family to be able to find those blessings because they're everywhere they're and they're everywhere. every day yeah. um, 
throughout 2020, they were everywhere. And so being able to locate those. And then the other thing I started doing recently is every morning when I wake up and I used to wake up, especially in this past year with just like this racing mind Mm. and conversations and things I was thinking through and trying to like, I could could lay in bed for an hour, just in panic, you know? And so God showed me to start my day. I need to start it with the Lord's prayer. And so I begin my day, our father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and go through that whole prayer. And it's a prayer. I mean, it's just beautiful, right? It's worship. It's forgiveness. It's your kingdom come, your will be done. How can I be in your will today, Lord? How can I give you glory? You are all powerful. How can I exalt that? Um, Please you know, lead me from temptation, deliver me, deliver my family from evil, (laughs) you know, that takes away a lot of the panic. And so I start my day now every day with that. And it just, it calms my mind and sets me up in this beautiful place just to begin my day and launch into whatever, whatever he has in store for us. And you, and you make that your own, Mm -hmm, right? It's not like Mm -hmm. just a a recitation. You like, you make this prayer. And I think that was Jesus intent for sure. Yeah. So that's a good segue into, and and I kind of, I've been thinking about this question a lot today as I knew we were going to gather, but um, when you look at the landscape of Christianity, right, Mm. especially where we are right now in America, um, how does it compare to what you witness today? Like, in other words, when you look at where we've come from, I mean, you and I've lived through what, three decades as adults now or two, yeah. two decades, two, three, I think it's three I think decades. It's three. <laughs> Don't, Don't tell anybody. <laughs> but when you think about, I mean, even where we came from the university, that that Christian university, we came from mm-hmm. and that landscape of what we call faith, right? Yeah. When you see that, how it compares to today, um, how, what do you think? What do you see? And how does it impact your faith? Yeah. Well, we've lived all over the country. In fact, we've lived in Germany. We've lived all over the place. And so from my perspective, at least in the past, let's see, in the past 20 years, we've lived um, in Colorado, Oregon, and in um, California, been three of the places we've lived. Oh, okay. And so, um, but before that, we lived in Virginia, we lived in Tennessee, we've spent some time in South Carolina. I think a lot of it depends on where you're from in, in mm. our country. Um, what I have seen, though, is the fact that at least in the places that I've lived recently, they, it's not cool to be a Christian anymore, right? No, I mean, there I may know. still be places in the South where everybody goes to church and you, whether or not you're walking your faith, living your faith, it's still um, expected to go to church. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't lived in the South for a while. So I'm sure there's still places in the country where that's a thing. The places that I've lived recently out here in Oregon, it is not expected to be in church. It's not cool to be in church. It's not a thing, right? So when you get together with the community of believers out here, it's the real deal. I mean, people... They, they desire, God. they desire it. And it's like yes. necessary. It's necessary. Like we, like we, we don't go to church. We don't have ulterior motives right, <laughs> you know, right. for going to church. We right. go to church because we want to follow God and be in a community of believers. Yes. So, I mean, and from my limited perspective, what I have seen change is people, um, people who want to follow Christ and want to be a believer, um, 
it's the real it's the real deal typically um so it's this like the weeding out right of, of people who are just doing it for show versus people who are just um who, who are truly following Christ. And that's what we found in Germany when we lived in Berlin. Mm -hmm. uh, we had such a great community there of believers because I mean, the majority of people didn't go to church. I mean, there's some, you know, there were some religious um, communities. Right. Well, Europe it wasn't, is, right. yeah. Right. So anyway, that's, that's my- Okay, that's good. I think, and I think that's a good word for everyone too, listening that find those real people. Absolutely. Find mm -hmm. them. Um, now, Melanie, <laughs> I have a bonus question here. For All right. Bonus questions. Yay. <laughs> have any of your readers connected with you through COVID in surprising ways? You Let's know? see. I have done a lot of Zoom. <laughs> I have, you know, I mean, honestly, I've been able to connect with readers um, over Zoom that I probably never would have been able to connect with because of that, you know, right. Speaking in book clubs and writers mm -hmm. conferences and stuff where I don't have to travel, that I yeah. can do that. Um, probably though, the most unexpected COVID writing related experience that I've had this past year. Um, usually I travel to my locations when I write a book. And so I was supposed to go to France. I, I just finished a book oh, set in France, other okay. France. And last summer I was supposed to be in France, which obviously mm -hmm. didn't happen. Um, but God just opened up these really cool doors for me to be able to interview people that I would never probably, even if I was there, I may not have been able to interview over Zoom because people had free time. And, wow. and so I was able, I mean, I, I spent a couple of hours with this 90, I think it was about 94 four year old oh, man wow. who had been rescued from Southern France, a Jewish gentleman mm -hmm. um, rescued from Southern France during the war as a child. And he just poured out his story over Zoom. And oh, I don't know that you I contact him. Oh, you know, I just, I, I contact people randomly on Facebook. Wow. I email, I call, I mean, I do whatever wow. I can to get in contact with people. I find them online or in yeah, books, that's you know, I'll, that's I'll find the name of somebody in a book and I'll, I'll try and find them. Wow. Um, and I was able to spend, um, one of my characters has synesthesia which I was never, I wasn't familiar with before. It's where you see letters or you see feelings, emotions, and color. And so it's really this unique wow. gifting. Um, it's very unusual, but very cool. And so, um, she, she's an artist and she's the co-founder of the American Synesthesia Association. Wow. And she lives in New York City. I probably wouldn't have been able to connect with her except for it was COVID. And she was like, sure, let's, and so we Zoom, we Zoomed a couple hours and we've just been, we back and forth. We just developed this friendship. And so, um, you know, God just, God just opened these seemingly random doors um, to meet people I never, I never would have met if it hadn't been for this Well, that's a great year. surprise. Yeah. That's fantastic. So how would you describe the emotional state of the world um, so that other writers or communicators listening can serve the world? What's oh, the yeah. Well, it's changed so much, you know, even the past month or so. Um, I think I, I mean, last year, I think it was, I would say sad, but shaken, you know, sad and shaken, mm -hmm. both of those. I mean, people, we were just all like, what's just happened and just feeling so out of control mm -hmm. and so confused, right? And a lot of sadness. Um, and I think for a long time, we as a world, not just in the United States, but I think we lost our hope for the future. Um, such mm -hmm. a sad, sad and shaken state to be in. Um, I think now I, I, I fear a little bit that our hope is now in a vaccine or now in a political leader. Mm -hmm. um, and my consistent prayer, not that those things are bad, but my consistent prayer is that our hope 
our, our, our hope will be in a future um, with the Lord, mm-hmm. right? Our hope is in God. It's not in something, a material source. It's not in a person of this world right. that we as Christians, we don't have to be afraid because again, we know this life is temporary. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, we're on this journey and we've got this eternal hope um, um, founded in, in Christ. And so that that's my hope, <laughs> even as I feel sad and shaken that I can continue as a communicator to remember those God glimpses, to remember those blessings and to remember that hope that we have in him and then communicate that to my readers. Yeah. Well, let's come back to the question of creativity in just a minute. Um, I I don't know if you had a chance to even just skim over my parable and look at my main character. Yeah. Yeah. He believes he's lost his faith, Mm. my main character. So um, what, what, just out of curiosity, what part did you get to read about him? About oh, him? I read those chapters where he was with his wife, the ones, oh, yes, the, the, he, the recent chapters, 18 through 23. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, they, they don't end up on the same page, mm. right? I mean, he, he actually turns back and mm. says yes to God. He actually does, but she does not. She said, I'm not interested in, you know, this kind of I'm not interested in pursuing the God that you've pursued. So for listeners who believe that they've walked away from faith, Mm -hmm. um, either by their circumstances or choice, um, how would you comfort them? Yeah. And I think in your story, you did such a beautiful job, really a brilliant job with these voices. I think it was destruction (laughs) and love, right? Yeah. Like these voices, these conflicting voices in our head, which is so true because it is a war. I mean, you know, I write World War II fiction, but we've got this war inside of us between darkness and light. Mm -hmm. And that voice of destruction is sometimes so much louder. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it's so much louder. Um, And I think that the truth is, you know, we are all children of God. Mm -hmm. We all have an opportunity to believe. And it's just so beautiful. We're all created in his image. Um, And through Jesus, we can overcome that voice of destruction. Mm -hmm. We can overcome that that loud voice um, and believe. And that's what, you know, I go back to my James River experience way back all those years ago by, by Williamsburg and just being able to quiet my heart and listen to that still small voice because it's a it's a it's a small voice sometimes and um just say lord my my faith is is shaky right now you know i don't i don't know what to do with my future and to be able to calm myself and um read those words of truth that even though we feel shaken we feel that boat's rocking we don't the winds are blowing we don't know where to go if Mm. we put our trust in him Um, and yes, we, we don't just sit around and put our trust in him and do nothing. We pursue what we believe he's called us to pursue with our trust in him and with that faith. Um, yeah, we may feel shaken, but ultimately we're not going to topple over, right? The wind. Right. Can't, and what can't I love about that over. is that he is so faithful, even when that voice of destruction is louder. Yeah. Uh, I, I have seen and witnessed and what you're saying is, and I agree with that is that he ultimately is one who draws us to himself yeah and so when you when you that's what i want people who think that they've walked away from faith the truth of the matter is is that god is the same yesterday today and tomorrow and he is there but he's drawing us um and i also really believe that the volume's been turned up on these voices Mm -hmm. in the last few years yes um and so for our our people who are closest to us and for those 
who have chosen to walk away from church and all of that. I, I just really want them to hear what you just said is that he's faithful mm -hmm. and that he has not walked away. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, like I said, the beauty of hindsight is just to look back in my own life mm. and the lives of the people around me and see his faithfulness. I'm just, I'm in awe. It gets me teary sometimes. Exactly. Well, <laughs> you know, cool. when you see it. Yeah. Well, creativity is what you're describing, right? The mm. way that you write and put, and, and I, I consider myself a creator, creative person as yes. well, whether it's through speaking it out or writing it out, sometimes writing a song or but um, I just think creativity is God's most profound gift mm -hmm. to all people in different ways. Mm -hmm. um, so I wonder what advice you would give to people listening who know that they want to create in some form, whether it is writing or music or painting or quilting. I mean, I think cooking's creative, photography, mm -hmm. videography, fashion design. They're we, what, creating a home. Endless. Mm -hmm. Endless. But, um, you know, what advice do you give them? So... How have you and God co-created all these years? Yeah. Right? And maybe talk a little bit about what your routine looks like. Well, I think that sometimes we feel guilty for using oh, these creative gifts. So good, like we're Melanie, wasting our time, right? And we are, I mean, God is the master creator. Mm. Every time I walk out the door, I mean, my daughter's into photography right now. She brings back the most gorgeous pictures. She's, she's, she likes finding the little details in a flower mm. or a leaf or a, you know, she just walks around the neighborhood. And I am just in awe of how she sees the beauty and the creativity of God in the smallest places. And that's just the small things. I mean, you look up at the sky. Oh my right. goodness, the creativity. I mean, God creates, he loves to create, and he loves to create through us. So anybody's listening, I just say, let go of that guilt, first of all. Right. <laughs> let go it. of that freedom. guilt of, yeah, freedom to pursue your art because art is important and God is all, he is a creator from day, I mean, the Bible starts with creation, right? He starts by creating and he creates throughout the world. So anyway, um, how do I co-create with God? I believe that right well I'll just tell you writing people think this is weird sometimes when I say it but <laughs> writing to me is a form of worship to be honest oh, with you beautiful. I feel like it's worship because I will sit there um and sometimes I've got nothing I mean to be right. honest with you I sit down I I wrote my book catching the wind for example I was in a coffee shop in Sherwood um sitting there <laughs> And I remember just begging. I mean, I was begging God for a story. I had, I had a story idea. I had to get to a publisher. I had nothing. Um, and I just remember just praying and looking out the window. And at the time there was that big weeping cedar tree, it was called. It was this beautiful tree outside that this old house. And um, I had this like picture in my mind. It wasn't an actual vision. It was just in my mind of this tree house. And I remember um, I, there was a boy and girl inside and I knew that they were going to have to run away. And I knew it was the, the beginning of World War II. And I knew the little girl was going to get lost um, and he was going to try, try and search for her. And that's all I knew. I mean, and, and I had a title, I had Catching the Wind. And that's all I knew. Oh. And, um, and it was just like this beautiful thing. And that process of writing the book, which has gone on to become one of my best-selling books, if not, um, if not my best-selling book, um, the entire process was me 
just saying, God, what do you want to say? What is your story here? And it is, it's a very um, different story. It's a very unique story. I have this point of view of this little girl who likes fairy tales. And so there's all these old German fairy tales in it. Um, but I look back at that book and all my books, honestly, but that book in particular, it's say this, this wasn't my story. I am glad to be the scribe to sit down and write this story. Um, but I feel like the story was the Lord's story and I'm just doing my very best um, to put it on paper. Um, which Isn't is right that what creation is? It is. It's absolutely. receiving. It's re I love that. Yes, mm -hmm. it's receiving and then putting it to practice for his glory, right? Yeah, I always think it's right. for his glory. Absolutely. Um, Emily Freeman uh, wrote this beautiful book called A Million Little Ways. I don't know if you've read that book, uh, but it's about cre creativity and mm -hmm. about the courage that it takes as Christians to create because mm -hmm. um, it's so hard sometimes to do artwork. Yeah. It's Especially yeah. when we've got that destruction voice, like you talk about, and mm -hmm. people's voices, like my editor telling me I couldn't write, and all these, you know, all these yeah. things that seem to come against us. I mean, it is, there's a whole book called The War of Art, but it is, it sometimes feels like a bit of a battle. Yeah. Um, what is my routine? Well, COVID kind of messed up any routine <laughs> that I have, but I still, I mean, I've, I've still written the same amount of books I would normally. It's just, I don't have quite the routine that yeah. I used to have, oh. but, but um, typically I write, um, I write 2000 words a day. I remember is, is you telling me that when I, I tell you that. You? Yeah. yeah. It's still, that's still my, my um, typical word count. How long did it take you to time. do that? Um, I would say about four hours okay. is pretty typical. Yeah. Um, but what I do that that helps me tremendously, and again, back to the writing is work and how do you how do you get into mm -hmm. that mindset? Um, I typically sit down and I edit what I wrote the day before. So I take the 2000 words that I okay. wrote yesterday. I don't edit as I write because that's really it. Uh, that's you know, that defeats the creativity not a good practice. Yeah, right. not a good practice. I don't edit as I write. I go back and I edit the day before. Mm -hmm. And then by the time I get that done, that takes me an hour or so. I am fully immersed back into my story. And then those next 2000 words, they just kind of flow. I mean, they just they. That's a great that's out. a great word of wisdom. That's excellent because in my devotional that I've been writing, I find myself going back, reading it over and it's too much going back, back, back. Mm. I should just go the day before. So that's great. That works for me. I, I go the day before and then I write in thirds. So I'll write, my books are 90,000 words. And so at the end of 30,000 words, I will go back. Like you're saying, I'll go back and I'll edit the first third, okay. get okay. to two thirds. Go, I will edit that whole two thirds of my novel. And then of course, when I'm done, then I'll edit the whole thing. But that just helps me stay on track for my story. And, but it's um, a practice. It's it a works. practice. It, I do it every time. And for me, it's the routine that I need to uh, actually publish a book. That's fantastic. So Melanie, to, to um, top things off, let's talk about this last book. Okay. So um, it is called The Curator's Daughter. And yes. I, I read through the summary and I can hardly wait to read it and, and, and just immerse myself in this <laughs> because, you know, I am Jewish. Yes. And so I love, I love reading these. It just brings me back. But um, what is something that happened in this book, in putting this book together that you, that you want people to know 
this is what I loved about this story? Ah, oh my goodness, that's such a great question. Um, all my books have so many different pieces and people, and I, I feel like, well, it's called the curator's daughter, but I feel a bit like a curator with every single book because what I'm is collecting. a curator? Uh, yeah, I'm collecting <laughs> this, I'm collecting this story, I'm collecting that, you know, yeah. and all this stuff comes together, and I just love that. Um, can I say two things instead of one? Sure. <laughs> okay. Thank sure. you. Because I can't decide which one. Um, two really special things happened in the writing of the story. And this story takes place mostly in Nuremberg, Germany. I wanted to go right smack in the middle. I've written a lot of World War II fiction, but it's been in France and in the Netherlands and in England. I wanted to go right into the heart of Germany and, and look at what a typical everyday German Christian woman, in this case, an archaeologist, what was she thinking during the war? What was, you know, what was, I mean, her heart must've just been torn and all these awful things are happening. How did she process this? Um, and so I um, got to go back to Germany and I went to Nuremberg and spent some time there. And then I went to visit a family friend by the name of Gabi. And um, she had come over when I was a little girl and stayed with us. And she was a dear friend of my aunt's um, and my aunt had passed away about two years before the story, um, before I was researching this. So I went to, to stay with her and we sat down and she's in her seventies and her mom is still alive in her nineties. Her oh dad, yeah, her dad was in the, the Nazi air force. Um, and so just processing with her, like how do you, as the next generation down, like she was born during the war, you know, she doesn't remember it, but like, how do you process this in this generation and talking about identity and their, I mean, her, I mean, she, I mean, what, what happened was just, I mean, how do you just, it's unfathomable. It was awful. Right. Mm -hmm. And she knows that she's mm -hmm. in, in um, her mom won't talk about it. Her mom's in her nineties. Won't talk about anything to wow. this day, which is pretty typical, pretty typical. It for, is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and just the remorse and the regret and, um, and where is your identity outside that, right? And so anyway, just, just discussing that with her, this book is very much about identity. Mm -hmm. And then um, the other thing that I got to do, which was really special to me personally, when I was in Germany, I got to go um, visit my, my, my stepmom as a genealogist. And oh, wow. so she just found out my, my ancestors are German okay. and they immigrated before the war, but we got to go and she found the church where my great, great grandfather was baptized. Oh, um, and it was built in the 1700s. It wasn't bombed. So the same church. And I was able to go on a Sunday morning, sit in a service where my ancestors worshiped same church um and then the pastor knew i was there knew he you know and everybody was kind of looking at me like who is this <laughs> you know american um in, in our small church um and that morning this little girl was baptized and and he was able to say um tell the families listen she's being baptized this morning here is this girl from america this lady from america um who has come because her ancestors chose to follow Christ back in the mid 1800s. Here's the result of perhaps their faith, perhaps their prayers. Here she is, um, a Christian woman following Christ here. And this is our prayer now as we baptize this young lady. 
who knows how God's going to use her life. But anyway, so just like the identity of that as well, of, of faith as a family and um, what I pray, I pass on to my children and my legacy and prayers for them and their children and children and children, you know? So anyway, those, those are two, two stories of what I was in That's Germany. That wonderful. was just personally That's so inspirational. Yeah. Oh, I love Thanks. that. Well, you, we are so inspired by what you get to pen Right. <laughs> Thank you. So keep going. Um, and we, I will be praying for your writing uh, ministry, bringing the kingdom of God to earth. So thank you. Thank you, thank Melanie, you so much, for Pamela. being on this show with us. Yes. Appreciate it.